Good morning. It is always a pleasure to speak God's word to God's people. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand. That's all right. I want to speak to you from a word that's a cuss word in our society. The word submission. The word submission. In case there's some chauvinists in the house and talking to men and women. The word submission. Before I share the word with you, I would like the opportunity to give you a demonstration. Many times when we read the word of God, we read it as if it's a fairy tale and we do not connect it to our lives. And giving a visual helps to connect the word of God. Amen. I want you to come up here for a minute. In the, in the Old Testament, they didn't have belts with buckles. They normally tied them around to hold up. I don't know what the people today would have done. You have men with belts on and their pants still hanging down. Yeah, right. It's all right. I'm not criticizing. I'm simply observing. In our scripture this morning, there's a prophet, and I will read that, by the name of Agabus. Agabus, now let me, let me see, can I share one other thing? Say yes. Yeah, even if you say me, no, say yes. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, people were not quick to call themselves prophets. You know why? Because if you prophesied something in the 90 days it didn't come through, you went to the gas chamber. They didn't have gas chambers, but you, you would be killed. Today, people are free to call themselves prophets. I don't hear that as a criticism at all, please. It's a real difference when you have to be accountable for what you claim you are. Anyway, there, you are going to um, take my belt off. Do it without touching me. Yeah, I'm real sensitive there. You almost touched me. Now, what you want you to do is tie that. I want you to tie me up. Time out for a second. Let me do this. No, no, you be Paul because I want to push you. Can y'all see? Everybody. So what he did was take Paul's belt off. He tied up his arms, and they must have had a double belt because he, he they tied his arms and his feet. Now, you, you, you a slave. Sit down. Shut up. You like she liked that. You get other violent people. Oh, that was cool. Do it again. Get out of here. That's a late laugh. She'll be laughing at midnight tonight in her sleep. But they but so he put it on to show that Paul won't be a in charge of his life, the Roman government, the Jews are going to hand them over to the Gentiles, the Roman government, and his life will be dictated by them taking him around. Thank you very much. Get my belt back. 
<laughs> now I want to use you for a second. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm going to read the scripture. You ready? Let me pray with you. Father, we lift up the precious name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And while I am here, I want to lift up my pastor, Pastor Dern, who has been consumed by this virus called COVID. COVID. I pray, Lord, for a release of the virus that has consumed him. I pray for protection around his wife, who he longs to kiss again. I pray, Lord, for their strength, for their family. I pray with my heart for them and this wonderful congregation. Now, Lord, soften our minds and our hearts that we may be consumed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Acts, chapter 21, verses 12 through 14, you know, I thought I had, hold on one second, I thought I had my glasses, I got them. Acts chapter 21, verses 10 through 14, I want to read these words to you. After he had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, excuse me, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord will what be done. The Lord will be done. You hear the latter part of the service, the difference between echoing these words at the beginning or the end of the situation. I want to share with you a short story. Uh, one, of my, uh, one of the psychologists that I uh, admired in my research while I was developing my doctoral degree was Dr. Frank, um, Victor Frankel. I won't share much because I just want to focus in the message. He was a Holocaust survivor. He wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning, Man's Search for Meaning, based on his experiences in various Nazi concentration camps. He was a neurologist and a psychologist. The brother was bad. He is the author of uh, what is called in the psychological realm, Logotherapy, logotherapy. 
is a concept based on the premise that the primary motivation force of all human beings is a sense of meaning. We all strive for a sense of meaning. One may ask, what pressure Dr. Frankel to, uh, um, was under? What was pressure was he under or what crisis infiltrated his life, pushing him to the doorsteps of death, not, to, um, not so much to seek death, but to understand the meaning of life? Don't raise your hand, but many of us sitting in this room have considered, contemplated, flirted with the concept of thought of suicide. And if you have not, chances are somebody in your family has. Don't be too quick to criticize. It's a terrible place to wrestle with that monster. Well, I was never in a concentration camp, so I cannot qualify in a discussion with Dr. Frankel, even if I was his therapist, and say I understand. I want to caution us. Many of us go through things and people say they understand and they do not. My wife birthed three daughters. She was in a lot of pain in the first one. But my wife said to me a couple of months later, I look forward to giving birth again. I suggested my wife get therapy. I'm serious. Why would you go through that? You want to do it again. Then my wife pulled the trump card on me. She said, because I love you. That was cool. How does one respond when the people you worship with are tortured? When you use as science guinea pigs for the German soldiers to evaluate? How do you respond when you... Watch people, young and old, hung from the gallows for a little bit more than the German entertainment. Someone tell me, how do you respond when you have watched the woman you cared for during being sexually molested right in front of you? When you have watched your own family ushered into the gas chambers to be gassed to death, there's an isolated moment where you come to the point where, the thuis, where suicide appears like a warm, comforting blanket in the midst of freezing weather. I have a pre- penetrating question that will make some of us uncomfortable, but a question I must ask. What happens When forced submission, I'm about to delineate between the concepts of understanding of submission. There's forced submission and there's choice submission. Forced submission is slavery. Forced submission is when you get men who understand being the head of the house means to put your foot down and my word is the law and you better not talk back. They abuse scripture. Choice submission is when we submit out of love and a commitment to the relationship. But let me make this very clear before I move on. If we are Christian, we should all be subjects of choice 
submission. Choice submission is only possible with a relationship with God. I want you to hear this very clearly. I'm going to dap into therapy just for a second, but stay with me, please. In choice submission, it's our relationship with God that we live out with each other. I could not steal from you if I wanted to, because before I can steal from you, I have to still steal from God. I couldn't be unfaithful, been married 38 years, please hear me. I couldn't be unfaithful to my wife, because to be unfaithful to her, I first have to be unfaithful to who? Come on, talk to me. I want to make sure you're hearing me. You see, the understanding is many people will come to the altar making a commitment to each other that they call a vow. That's not a vow. You cannot make, and you'll hear this later on in the message, a vow to someone you don't have a relationship with. Submission is the result of a vow, but stay with me. The deeper part of submission is our relationship with God that we live out with each other. I would like to say more, but I can't right now. Time won't allow me. To understand this a little more deeply, I want to go to verse 11. Verse 11 of what I'm preaching. A prophet by the name of Agabus removes Paul's belt from around his waist and ties him up to give Paul a visual of what Paul is about to endure. Then he, fought, then he informs Paul that his own people, now depending on what side of the track you are, I grew up in the hood. That's my people. My wife grew up on the farm. That's her people. But together as Christians, we have what? Our people. Are y'all with me today? Yeah, listen, it's okay. I know I'm in the church that's very formal and, and saying amen, talking about it's just not your groove. I want you to get out of your groove for a minute. It's okay. I give you my word. It's not a sin to speak when God's word is up. Amen? Come on, walk with me a little bit. It's all right. When you get my age, that hurts. Under Roman law, the evidence of forced submission is this. There's only one way out of being submitted, and that is death. Forced submission is pure slavery, whether emotional, physical, or both. Forced submission robs you of your personhood, your desires for pleasure in life. Forced submission it robs you of living, of the thought of living, of, of the desire to keep on keeping on. <clears throat> Forced submission is a suicide note to your soul. It's a slow death to a short of life. How many people you have known <clears throat> who are subjects of forced submission, finding themselves in relationships that they wish that they could get out of? I can't tell you how many people have spoke to me. You know, Dr. Happy Ida, if I had the money, I'd get divorced. If I can afford it, I would go my separate ways. If financial allow, I cannot take this anymore. They feel the vibrations of false, false submission. 
walk with me. And there are many people who stay in the relationship, whether married or living together, because the pain of the known is more comforting than the pain of the unknown. So if I leave this relationship, I don't know what's out there. While it's bad on the inside, I know my bad. I don't know your bad. So I'll stay here. Come on, walk with me. Walk with me. I may not get invited back. Well, if I do, I'm going to walk again. Come on now. Are y'all with me? Don't shut down on me. You see, it's not until we're able to look in. Oh, that's, that's the amen corner, y'all, from the baby crowd. That's, uh, that's my baby. That's my, y'all leave her alone. Look at me. Leave my baby alone. Come on. You see, y'all can't even appreciate the baby amen. Look at y'all. Praise amen. I want you to hear this. Now, y'all know I'm a therapist, right? So though I ask, some people say, Dr. Abiyadi, why are you always mixing the scripture with therapy? Because let me tell you something. Genesis 1 and 2 said God created everything, right? Am I right? Come on, work with me. Am I right? So this is what I teach. The secular is the spiritual robbed of God. Shall I say it again? The secular is the spiritual robbed of God. It all belongs to God. Somebody just took it. You know all these people who sing in Hollywood? To the history I read, just by every one of them that grew up in my side of the community started in the church. And then they found out they can make more money. They stopped singing in the church. Now, don't hear that as a criticism, please. People beat up on themselves enough. That's not, I, my role is not to help. Just want you to understand, a lot of things we call secular is nothing but the spiritual robbed of God. Make sense, everybody? Come on, well, listen, y'all, some of y'all respond. Y'all act like y'all in church this morning. I want you to hear this too. Hear this, please. The more we submit to God, the less we carry our feelings on our shoulders. When people can rattle you easily, don't, don't point to the person who rattled you. Point to the mirror and see where Christ has you have vacant. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes, yes. I like doing diversity training. And I, you, know the, you know the most powerful experience I had? I think I shared this with you before. The most ex- powerful experience I had as a pastor is when one of my, I crossed I had cross-racial appointments. Just by all the churches I pastored was European-Americans. I was the only African-American, but nobody can smile like me. I had it it going on. But the most powerful experience I had was one of my members who said, I think I shared this with you, a nigger should never pastor a white person. Oh, you know what? Why that was good for me? Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? That was good for me because she took me out of my calling as a pastor. She didn't. I let her take me out. See, I just blamed her. Didn't I just blame her? I was wrong. Hear me. I let her take me out. That was my insecurity. As a new pastor, just for my master's degree, I want everybody to accept me. Some of the most insecure people have their PhDs. Stay with me, everybody. Stay with me. See, and so the further you are, we are from God, the more insecure we are. The more insecure we are, the more people's gossip means something to us. 
Come on, come on. <laughs> I love when I go in the crowd and somebody teaches say, Dr. Aviata, yes, sir. You are one ugly preacher. Me and your mama, but I'm cool with that. <laughs> y'all didn't catch that. I know all, y- all y'all middle class people. I'm good with you. Come on. Will y'all rock with me for a minute? Can I finish? Oh, I, I just love you and your mama. I love all of you. Come on. Now, let's, come on, say with me now. Let's go to verse 12. Can we go into verse 12? I'm going to read that for you. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Do you feel the clash between the Holy Spirit and good intention? Now, let me share this. I want you to hear this. One of the biggest fallacies, false conceptions for Christians is that good intentions get us in heaven. I haven't found that in the Bible yet, and I want you to know that's a lie from hell. Stay with me in Scripture. Stay with me. Do you feel the clash between the Holy Spirit and good intentions of the believers who loved Paul? Do you sense the the shift from thy will be done to my will be done? How many times have you had a check in your spirit not to pursue a relationship? Stay with me. Don't anybody say amen to any of this, especially you with the person who um, you married to or are in relationship with. Don't say, nobody say a word. Just listen. How many times have you had a check in your spirit not to pursue a relationship? In the fear of being alone or not raising children or having a family, overwhelmed. The Holy Spirit putting a check in your spirit. Putting a check in your spirit. How many times have you had to check in your spirit about a job because they were paying more, but you had to check in your spirit not to take it and you pursued it anyway? How many times has your flesh stimulated you or your hormones to go when the Spirit said, hey, homeboy, homegirl, hold up? Did you dismiss the whisper of the Holy Spirit to hear the screams of self-desires? Now, this is Abiyade theology. I believe this with all my heart. I believe we all have the gift of discernment. Some have a little bit, some have a lot. That gift of discernment is most manifested when you know right and you do wrong, or even worse, when you know right, do wrong, and then you justify your wrong. Christians are good at that. And we're not only we good at that, we're trying to find Scripture to blanket it. Like men being the head of the house, find Scripture to blanket their dominance. I believe for Christians, the moment you know something is not right and you squash that voice, you squash the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to hear me. Many people will say to me, as I teach psychology, I teach as a Christian, many people will say to me, Dr. Abiata, I never heard from the Holy Spirit. And I respond, you were never listening. You were never listening. And what happens, uh, listening is like muscles when you develop it so long, they, they, um, you, you develop it to hear or you don't develop it and it's not useful. It's not useful. You can hear from God, you're not listening. 
It's more money over there. She looks good. He looks fine. What are they going to say? I'm 33 years old and I'm not married and have no children. Every time you wrestle with that and more, the Holy Spirit is squashed. I have family and friends who um, <coughs> are diabetic. What does the doctor say? Stay away from what? Stay away from sweets and sugar. The doctors say that. <laughs> the doctor's not God, but God gives doctors gifts, right? And my same friends, they can't pass up a donut shop. God will understand that Glaze and me have a relationship. <laughs> now, only Satan would not want me to have that apple pie. Have you heard from God? Nah, doctor, have you had God not talking to me? That's because your hormones and your, de your desire is louder than the voice of God. You have to have time alone with God to hear God. You have to have time alone. But we're too busy. We're busy running this, doing that, working. Some of us, well, I was a pastor working 70 hours in the church. I was stupid because I needed people to approve of who I was. And guess what? I didn't have any time for God. Can you imagine that? As a pastor, I had time to get ready for a Bible study so I can impress you. I had time to get ready for the sermon so I can do what? Impress you. But I didn't spend. Why do you think, listen to me, everybody. Why do you think you hear these dynamic pastors in big churches having adultery relationships, stealing money? They impress us with their sermons and with their presence and with their attire. They don't have the Holy Spirit in their heart. I'm not saying that to put them down. I'm saying there's many of us like that. There are many of us like that. When you submit to God is who you are wherever you go. We had a company a couple of months ago coming over. My, my wife said, whoa, we got we to gotta clean up. No, we don't. No, we don't. Well, what are they going to think? I don't care. First of all, they're eating the food I paid for. What am I going to think? Can <laughs> you imagine somebody coming to your house, you know, spend about $150 fees, and they're talking about the paper on your floor? You better get out of my house. But that's where we are because we're not in submission of personal life with God. See, the more we're working with God, the less all these little things in life matter. Are y'all with me? But you got to have time alone with God. You can quote scripture. Some of the most lost people I know can quote scripture. Everybody hear me, please. Satan can quote scripture. I am not impressed with your quoting scripture or your degrees or anything else. I'm impressed with how you're living when nobody's watching. Now, y'all losing your sense of who you are. Rich people don't clap in worship. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I got you. I got you. So here's, here's the point I'm making. The Holy Spirit had told Paul to go. All his friends said, don't go. If I may share a thought for a moment, I believe all of us, I, I shared already uh, about having degrees of discernment, but I want to follow up on that. I want you to make sure in, in your life, in your time alone with God, 
um, that you have time to pray and be alone with God so that you can understand what God is saying to you. Now, I'm going to go to 13. What time we have? Ooh, 10 minutes. Okay, let's go to verse 13. <coughs> Many of us would say, well, I'm going back to the scriptures. Well, Barnabas, the majority of voices are saying, don't go, and you the only one voting that I should go. I'm going to stick with the majority. There's a difference between paying attention to what others are saying and paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I want you to listen to something carefully. I want to, can I offer you some sociological statistics here? Is that okay? Okay. This is about majority in the Holy Spirit. Our nation was birthed on July 4th, what year? 1776, July 4th, 1776. The 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote on June 4th, 1919. Thus, over one century and 43 years, the majority in the United States of America were clear and used Scripture to justify the position that women should not have the right to vote. When people talk about, well, this is what the majority are doing, talk to my waving hand. I don't want to hear about what the majority are doing. I want to hear about what God is doing. The majority can be wrong. The Holy Spirit is never wrong. In verse 13, Paul responds to the good intentions of those who truly care for him. Together, let us listen to how Paul spills his heart out again to those who deeply care for him. Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord of Jesus. Remember, again, the difference between false I mean, force submission and choice submission. Paul was able to say this because of choice submission. You see, it doesn't matter what other people do. When you have choice submission, you messed, you're not messed up when people press you with their force submission. I want to share two potent points here, and I like to differentiate uh, between a vow and a commitment. I want to differentiate between a vow and a commitment. A vow, would you hear this? A vow is a lifelong commitment we, we make to God that we live out with each other. Let me say that one more time. Some of you missed it. A vow is a lifelong commitment we make out to God that we live out with each other. If I went home, I'm just using me because I don't want to pick on anybody. I want you to hear my heart before God. If I went home on Friday night, hear me, please. There was a man in my bed with my wife. I wouldn't touch him or her. And I say that because I'm always amazed at men fighting over. Nobody can come between you unless your spouse let them. I don't even want to talk about the other man. I have nothing to do with him or if you're a woman, the other woman. Nobody, and women do it too. I remember in elementary school, women fighting each other over some guy. Really? 
Nobody can come between you unless you let them. I would tell that gentleman, you stay right where you are. I hope you're having a nice time. Just give me time to pack. Everything is yours. God is my witness. I am not entertaining you. I love my wife to death, but she's not worth a separation, my relationship with God. Come on. Come on with me. Come on. You hear me? Your vows before God, there are too many people who are getting married this year have no business getting married. Have no business. That sounds judgmental. I'm sorry. Jesus was judgmental. He said he's the only one to heaven. You don't get more. He's the only way to heaven. You don't get more judgmental than that. That's what a vow is. I can do a whole sermon on that. I'm going to keep on going. Commitment. A A commitment is an emotional attachment we create between each other which we may ask God to rubber stamp. Most people who get married this year will make a commitment. And they would get married in church to ask God to rubber stamp it. And many pastors would do that. I want you to hear this. I have wrestled with theologians on this issue. There's no place in Scripture, hear me, that says a ritual takes away sin. Faith takes away sin. The ritual is a manifestation of your faith, which means you can get baptized and not be faithful at all. You can get be married and still be cheating. Hear me. Hear me. It begins with a submission to Jesus Christ. That's why, and I'm not lifting myself up. I'm just as broken. In 35 years, I've only done seven weddings. Most of the people who came to me came with a commitment. Even when I tried to teach them what the vow was, they didn't want to do that. They were not ready to submit to the Holy Spirit. And I don't mind. You know why? I profit. I want you to hear this. This is terrible, but it's true. Anybody know a funeral director? You know a funeral director? If you ask a funeral director if business is good and they say yes, what's that mean? People dying. When you don't get along your marriage, that's good for me. I make money. I don't want to make that money. I do it because there's not enough Christian therapists out there, and I can count in the United States how many I know that are non-European Americans. Nothing against that. We're just not out there. I don't want to make money. I don't. I tell people, I can charge $150 an hour. I have, I'm a doctor. I charge $60 an hour. I know no therapist that does that. You know why? That's for individuals, couple, 70. You know why? Because it's ministry. I'm not trying to get rich on you. I want you here. Stay with me. Stay with me. You know the only reason I charge? When I first got my doctorate degree, I didn't charge people because I wanted, I just want to help people. I don't care what race you are. I want to help you. It didn't help. You know why? What I learned as a therapist, if you don't have teeth in it, you're not going to follow it. That's the only reason I charge. I can live very comfortably without a penny I make from being a therapist. But I care enough for people to keep the price down. Submitting to Christ, that's what it is. Does that make sense? I'm going to close out because y'all gotten quiet on me. That's good, though. You ever heard the saying, if it walks like a duck, Quacks like a duck. It must be what? 
<laughs> I can tell y'all been in the world. That's good. <laughs> that is true when it comes to commitment because commitment is about everything we see, not the heart. The depth of saying, I will die for Christ, and that death will be to live out the relationship with you is a vow. I am still flabbergasted in 2022. Men saying to me, and I said this to you before, I'll take a bullet for her. I'm going to say the other side, you're with me? But I won't bust a bubble. And I'm not doing dishes. There's nothing for my wife I would not do. Some things, I'm not sewing. My, my wife does sewing. I'm not getting that. I don't, my wife buy a pink shirt, you can have it. I don't wear pink. Okay? But my wife knows it, so she gets a pink shirt. That's not happening. That's just me. But those boundaries are clear. Other than that, there's nothing my wife does that I don't do. I even had an agreement. I tried to get an agreement with my wife. When we had a first child, anybody had children? Raise your hand. Just, you had children? Okay, raise your hand. You remember after you started feeding them, what happened with that poopy? That stuff started kicking. I said, sweetheart, I love you, baby. She knew something was coming. <laughs> I said, I love you, but I make agreement. If I don't have to change diapers anymore, I'll do the dishes until death do us, death do us part. You know what my wife said? Not happening. Not happening. I said, no, you can't say it like that. You're not from the hood. <laughs> not happening. When we love, it's always about the other person as demonstrated by Jesus on the cross. Let me go to verse 14. I'm going to close. Oh, is I'm, can I have five minutes after? Can y'all give me five minutes? Is that okay? Whether I'm done or not, I'm through. What, let, let me say this. If, if y'all not mad at me, I asked the pastor to leave town next month and then I'll come back. How about that? <laughs> I can see his wife without even looking at me. I don't think so. <laughs> Amen. Let me say, and why I talk, can I say something about your pastor right quick? I told you I supervise 72 pastors, and then I mentor pastors from around the world. One of the finest pastors I've ever had a relationship with your pastor. And I'm serious. Yeah, you give him a hand, your pastor. In order to be a great pastor, you have to have a greater wife. Don't anybody disagree with me. This is my time. It's my time. Mrs. Duran is a wonderful wife, a wonderful first lady, and just a wonderful, isn't she? Come on. Come on. I want you all to know, with saying that, Mrs. Duran is not going to speak to me for a week. Because <laughs> she said, let me stay behind the scenes and serve God. Let's finish this out. You ready? Y'all ready? Yeah. All right, let's finish this out. Verse 14, when, uh, when, he would not, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the, Lord be, the Lord's will be done. Five minutes. In the 1990s, uh, there was a, a, a song sung by a woman named Carol King. Anybody old enough to remember that? See, I, I, I passed the retired people. Everybody in my congregation raised their hand. All y'all looking at me like, what? Is she, what? Really? Carol King's really the person. Let me share this. I'm about to close out. She had a song that said, it's too late. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to harmonize it a little bit. And then, watch out, don't laugh at me. Just a little bit. And I probably can't because I've been preaching. My, my voice is not there. Can I harmonize it? Should I just read it? 
What does this side say? What does this side say? Both sides have bad attitudes. <laughs> but it, this was in the 1990s. <clears throat> See, I, need, I, I need one of those throat things. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's some, excuse me, staying in bed all morning, stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's something wrong here, there can be no denying. One of us is changing, or maybe we just stop trying. Then I go with Al Green. But it's too late, baby. Come on. <laughs> hey, did you see the sisters over here going like that? <laughs> oh, let me tell you, both of y'all, look at me. Y'all wrong. <laughs> Her face will say, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> That's cold blood. I, I, I hope you're married because y'all dissed by me. <laughs> I'll just read it. They hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it says, it's too late, baby, now it's too late, though we really did try to make it. Something inside has died. I can't hide, and we just can't fake it. Why am I sharing that? Why am I sharing that? <sighs> when you go back to the Scripture, they couldn't convince Paul, and at the end of that debate and all that argument, they said the Lord's will be done. You had ever, ever had anybody in your life, don't raise your hand, just stay with me, who came into, they, you know what, the Holy Spirit told me, say, you got a bad attitude, I don't like your attire, you need to change your hairstyle, you need to change that white shirt to black, you let blah, 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 blah. And then after they leave, they say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. Don't, don't respond. See, there are many people who talk about the will, Lord's will be done after they dumped all their garbage in your life. God's will be done after they've done wrong. Talk about God's will. I want you to hear this. To talk about God's will after you dump your garbage is too late. We need to start our mornings off. God's will be done. Our meals, God's will be done. You go into a meeting, God's will be done. You applying for a job, God's will be done. You know, if I didn't get the job, there's a reason I didn't get it. Even if they play in politics. You know, you know people, well, they play in politics. I have a high degree. I should have got it. No, you shouldn't have. God knew that they were playing politics. God got your back. See, we only want to trust God when things go our way. God's will need to be gone, going on at the beginning. And if you don't get it, it's okay. If it doesn't work out, it's okay. Most of my, most of my knowledge, and many people say, Dr. Abbott, are you a wise person? You know where it came from? My failures. My failures. Look at Einstein. He had much more failures than he had accomplishments. We don't talk about his failures. You look in your life and you look at your failures when you were following Christ. And I guarantee you, you will find blessings. Don't talk about God's will after you jump, dump Satan's garbage. Start your day off with God's will. Start your life off with God's will. Let me say this. I'm close out. I'm about to close out. I'm about to close out. Y'all ready? Oh, man. No, no. Say you ready. Because I'm sweating. I'm tired. <laughs> Okay, listen, listen. Let me close out with this. 
have to have your mind made up. You have to have a made-up mind moment. You have to have a made-up mind moment. It doesn't matter what they say to me. Call me the N-word. My mind is made up to be loving. It doesn't matter they reject me. My mind is made up. You have to have a mind-made-up moment. Many of us want to grow spiritually, but we want to avoid the mind-made-up moment. You have to have a mind-made-up moment. Come on, help me out here. Come on, help me out. See, in making up your mind, you have to make that decision. doesn't matter what my wife does. I made up my mind. It doesn't matter what others does. I made up my mind. It doesn't matter. I made up my mind. <coughs> I made up my mind. What have you decided? Oh, Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Come on, come on, come on. I have <coughs> To follow Jesus. Come on. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Come on, church. No turning back. Come on, church. No turning back. I have decided, I have decided to, follow Jesus. to follow Jesus. I have decided, I have to, decided to follow Jesus. Yes. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. I want to remind you that a part of our expression of giving, of submitting, is giving of our tithes and offerings. That's one of the areas of expression that we're not ready to submit. It is my prayer this morning that we will acclimate towards a deeper level of submission 
and is reflected not only first, not only in our giving Sunday morning, but in our living when nobody's watching. If you would stand, I'd like to offer the closing prayer. And then I walk down the aisles. I want to ask everybody to put your hand up towards the center of the aisle, people on the other side of the church. Keep, go ahead and sing. Go ahead. You can sing while I pray. Father, I lift up every hand in this congregation. I pray a wave of the Holy Spirit on the saints right here. I pray submission will be an admission of coming to the Holy Spirit, of receiving you as our Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, as we touch your spirit, that the touch will be on our hearts to reflect in our words, not only in our giving, but in our living, our touching, our caring for people who don't deserve to be caring. Our desire, Lord, to follow you may it be manifested in touching those who don't want to be touched because they've been hurt and wounded. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know you, Lord, to submit ourselves to you, Lord, that the world may come to know you because of who we are in you. I thank you for Kingdom Embassy. I thank you for his pastor, first lady, his leaders. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. I thank you, Lord, because the world is in need of what's happening here. I thank you for the vision statement. I pray, Lord, that we would leave here as children of God who are not the same. Thank you, Lord, as we give you praise. I still will follow. I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. In the name no turning back of our Lord and Savior. No turning back. No turning back. Yes, Lord. Oh, no turning back. Brothers and sisters, I want you to wave, put your hand towards me. I want you to covenant with me. Repeat me. Heavenly Father, I'm going to do with all within my power to submit myself to you, to love my family, to love my friends in the midst of my brokenness, to be all you called me to do. In the powerful name of Jesus, let the people of God say together, amen. God bless you, saints. God bless you. Come on, talk to me. Come on, talk. Oh, no. Did I show that?